Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. We are in this series called The Genius of Jesus, and what we're talking about today is the genius of power. And one of the most beautiful passages in Scripture is probably one of the saddest, because it reminds us of how power can be abused, but also used correctly at the same time. In fact, in John chapter 18, I want us to read this passage, and it's found in chapter 4, uh, verse 4 to verse 11. We're going to read it together, okay? It's right here on the screens, and you can follow along. It says that Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him, so he stepped forward to meet them, and he says, who are you looking for? Jesus, the Nazarene, they replied. And then Jesus answers, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, was standing right with them. And then in verse 6, it says, as Jesus said, I am he. Here's an important part in this whole story, is that as he says these words, I am he, they all drew back and they fell to the ground. And then in verse 7, once more he asked them, who are you looking for? And again they replied, Jesus the Nazarene. And then in verse 8, I told you that I am he, Jesus said, and since I am the one that you want, let these others go. And he did this to fulfill his own statement, I did not lose a single one of those that you have given me. And then Simon Peter does something completely unexpected. He drew a sword and he slashed off the right ear of Malchus, who was the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering that the Father has given me? And in this story, we see two very different events regarding power. Of course, there is this misuse of power, not just personal, but also collective We see the misuse of power by the Sanhedrin that is going out to arrest Jesus on false charges. And there we see an abuse of power. We also see an abuse of personal power in where Judas is betraying Jesus. Where he has the right and the ability to remain faithful and loyal. And the expectation is that he is one of the twelve who has, along with the others, learned what it means to sacrifice in light of all that God is showing and teaching and revealing them on their journey in being disciples of Jesus. 
And so the opportunity to betray Jesus didn't come from outside the group. It came from within his core. It didn't come from the crowd and it didn't come from those that may have had a different agenda. But it came from someone who was disappointed with the way that Jesus was not using his power. See, sometimes the disappointment that we have in our lives is because we see an all-powerful God, we see an all-powerful Jesus, and Jesus does not use his power the way that we expect him to. In our lives, personally, we have been disappointed, not just with the inaction, but sometimes with the long delays that God has taken in giving us the time to ponder and to reflect and to become anxious and to worry, to become frustrated and disgruntled and maybe even have such anger and disdain that we may even walk away from God. And I want you to understand that this is what would have happened in the life of someone like Judas, where his disappointment regarding his expectations in wanting to see a powerful Jesus remove their oppressors and establish his kingdom in an earthly manner that Judas just had enough and he betrayed Jesus and abused his own personal power in doing so. This is something that if we are reflective enough and transparent enough, we can sometimes pinpoint in our own lives. You see, the, the genius of Jesus is not that he was powerless, but he was always powerful. But he made decisions in how to use that power. And what he does is that he teaches us what that looks like when we are being abused, when, when that power is being misused, when everything inside of us is telling us to do something that would betray a higher standard and principle that God has given us instead. You see, the contrast of real power and real powerlessness is actually seen in this story. We see real power in Jesus when he says the words, I am. And when he says those words, the words that were only spoken by the creator, that everyone who was present falls back under the power of Jesus. With him not doing anything violent, but just speaking the words, I am. There we see that in a moment in which Jesus looks the most powerless, he is revealing that this is a moment in which he is not powerless, but he is the most powerful where he is accepting what is about to happen. And in that moment, he says, I am going to let everyone know that I am willingly laying my life down. But before I lay my life down, you're all going to experience the ground for a few seconds. 
so that you know that I could do something, but I'm choosing not to. Can we say amen to that? I could do something. I could take you all out here in this garden. Not a single one of you would be able to put your hand on me if I didn't let it. So I'm going to show you my power. But I'm not going to lay a hand on any of you. I'm going to let you take me because this has been the plan all along. And so we see Jesus who is willingly giving his life. He's willingly emptying himself of his power in a sense. Like submitting in a way that we would never expect. We would want Jesus to display his power in this moment. So everyone would believe. There would be no doubt in anyone's mind. But you see the sacrifice on the cross is far too important for the power to be misused in the moment that is in the garden right now. And then we see what powerlessness looks like instead. And we see that not just the, by the way that they come to arrest him and they're abusing their power and, or Judas and how he abuses his own personal power and betrays him and becomes a, a traitor. But we see powerlessness with Peter. We see that he takes a sword and he decides that he is going to show off his skill. And he goes up against the high priest and swings and gets the servant instead. Like it's a total miss. And that's what happens when fishermen handle weapons. So he takes the sword and misses the high priest and hits the servant who loses an ear. And it wasn't like he was like trying to prove a point where he goes, I'm going to take off the right ear first. And the next one coming off is the left one. No, it was like a disaster. He totally misses in every sense of the word. And in that moment, Jesus just looks at him. He says, would you put that away? Like, 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 a, like a father to a son. What are you doing? You're going to hurt yourself. You already hurt one guy. You're about to hurt yourself. And so then he goes down. He picks up the ear. And he puts it back on the servant's head, and he heals him. And, and for the second time, we see power, even in the midst of an abuse of power. And in that moment, we are kind of confused because we're wondering why would Jesus be upset with Peter when all he was doing was trying to defend his Savior. But the truth is, is that we act powerful when we feel powerless. When we are powerless, it is then that we try to exert power. It is then that we raise our voice. It is then that we raise our hands. 
It is then that we try to take things by force instead of winning them by divine right or love. It is when we are powerless and feel this way that we exert ourselves and demand to be seen as powerful. But in reality, all we are doing is proclaiming our powerlessness. There is no real power in what Peter is doing. There is no real power in us when we do not follow after the pattern of Jesus, but instead follow after the pattern of our own desire and flesh that leads us into believing and deceiving ourselves and possibly even others that we are powerful when we are not. In the story, we see that we can actually stand in our power and never actually use it. And that's what Jesus does. The genius of the power that Jesus reveals and tells us what to do is that we can stand in the power that he has given us and not use it. We can have this power through the very presence of God in our lives. We have this power with us always because always with us is the power which is Jesus. The Holy Spirit has taken the name and the form of the presence of God in all of us. That power is always with us. And when we stand on the power of his word, and when we stand on the power of his presence, we experience the power of God like no one else can. And we don't need to go walking around this world believing that we are powerless, telling others that we have things like happening to us, and we have no control over it. People speaking to us in a certain manner and then we just say, well, that's the way I'm going to have to speak back. Or striking out in violence and then we say things like, well, they struck first, so now I can defend myself. And we do these things because in that moment we have not understood true power. And how God wants us to exercise that power. How he doesn't want us to ever live our life saying, I didn't have a choice when there was always a choice. He doesn't want us to think for a moment that we are powerless, even in the moments where we feel like we truly are, even in those moments when everything is stacked against us, the odds are so great that we cannot even fathom victory, that there is no way that we can imagine that we could ever defeat the powers that be. In that moment, we need to stand in the power that is Jesus Christ. When we stand in that power, there is never a moment for his followers to ever believe, even for a fleeting moment, that they are powerless because God is that power in us. And what Jesus teaches in this story is that there is a way for us to reveal humility in power 
and to understand that the level of the power we have is actually seen best when we don't use it. When you and I talk about humility, humility isn't expressed in powerlessness. And we see a lot of people put their head down and say sorry and apologize and back away from whoever is more aggressive. And in that moment, we look at that person and say, that's a humble person. No, no. Humility is when you stand in power and you don't use it. Humility is when you could do something and you make the decision not to. Humility is you walk away knowing that if you engaged, things would get much worse. It's knowing that you could do something, but you are choosing not to. That's humility. And when we think about humility, it leads us to an understanding of then what is servanthood. You see, in the person of Jesus, we understand servanthood so much more clearly because servanthood is practiced when we are powerful, not when we are powerless. When we see Jesus kneeling down and washing his disciples' feet, he's saying, I don't have to do this, but I do it because this is what servanthood is. I serve not because I have to, but because I must. That is what it looks like to serve. That's what it looks like to be humble. That's what it looks like to understand power and its usage in our everyday lives. That's what it looks like to be like Jesus. And what Jesus does is that he teaches us these things. I want us to understand today that Jesus taught us how to live with the misuse of power rather than to overthrow it. Now I know what this looks like and I know what it sounds like and I know especially what it feels like. Because we, we understand overthrowing injustice is exactly the way the Hebrews understood it in that time. It's the reason why Jews still to this day have a really hard time in accepting Jesus as the Messiah. Because they still imagined and envisioned a Jesus who had come to overthrow. But Jesus comes to do something different. He comes to overthrow not the regimes of this world, but the realm of Satan instead. See, by taking care of the realm of Satan, he can take care of every other realm that is called a kingdom in this world. And what Jesus does is that he goes to the source of what is the real issue. Because we all know, and we've seen this in the course of history, that you can overthrow a dictator and another one just takes his place. We can have revolution and things go back to being the same. Over and over again, we will see men and women abuse their power. But what we want is a God who teaches us how to live in the midst of people who are abusing that power. And instead of that controlling us, that we can control ourselves in the midst of that and not succumb to the same patterns of this world, but live above them. 
and show a different way of being, of living, of experiencing the power that Jesus is. And it's so easy for us to get caught up in to what this looks like. That's why in Matthew chapter 5, it says this in verses 38 to 42. You have heard the law that says that punishment must match the injury. And then he says, there is an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. And it's a phrase, let's, let's be honest. We, we don't, may not know a lot of scripture, but everybody knows this one. This one is like known around the world. doesn't matter what faith. Everybody lives by this standard. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And then Jesus says, but I say to you, do not resist an evil person. And then he says, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. And if you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, then I want you to give your coat too. And if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, then go ahead and carry it for two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. These are hard words, right? And when Jesus teaches this in Matthew chapter 5, there's a series of teachings that he gives that when the crowd was in the multiple thousands, it dwindled down to just a few. Because they heard these words and they said, who could possibly do this? And what Jesus does is that he shows us what it looks like to not allow for the abuse of power to change us. He doesn't want people abusing power to change our character, to give up our principles, to forget our values, to forget that even in the moments in which we are surrounded by the abuse and the misuse of power, that in those moments, he's saying, I want you to understand you're still in control and I will show you how to be powerful. I will reveal to you what it looks like to have power. And the genius of Jesus is that he takes what happened in the garden of Gethsemane later on in his life, but he gives us a glimpse of it in this teaching. And then he shows us what it looks like practically, because up until this moment, Jesus was never really tested like he would be in the garden. There was a moment when they tried to kill him and throw him over a cliff, and he just walked right through them. And he proved that even in the moments in which people wanted to take his life, they can't. Because God's got a plan and God will only take his life when Jesus voluntarily gives it up. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, he talks about that cup. And he says, make it pass. 
Is there another way? Is there another plan? And, and, and in that process of understanding God's plan and accepting it that there is no other way other than the cross, Jesus then stands up in the power and the certitude of what God has showed him and revealed him that when the enemy comes, he is able to just stand in that power. And what God does is that he builds us up, you and I, so that we live out that power every day of our lives. So it doesn't matter who comes to us and what they ask of us, what they want to take from us. Because the truth is that no one can take anything away from you since you have already given it all away. They cannot take from you what you have given. And so Jesus says, when someone comes and tells you that they want to strike you, you give them your other cheek. Because in that misuse of power, in that abuse of power, you are going to show them that you are still powerful. That you will not become like them. When they come and they want to sue you, you say, you want to take this from me? Take this too, because everything already belongs to God. There is nothing you can take from me that God cannot give me and multiply it later on. There is nothing you can do. And if you're going to abuse your power and you're going to look at your horse and say your horse is tired... And you're going to take the load that's on that horse and you're going to put it on me and you're going to force it according to Roman law to walk a mile and carry your horse's load. I will do it. And then when you say, it's fine, Hebrew, you can put that pack back on my horse. I'm going to say, I'm going to walk another mile. I'm good. Because you cannot abuse power against someone who is powerful. I'm powerful in my mind. I'm powerful in my spirit. I'm powerful in my body. I'm powerful in my life. And Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter what the world does. It doesn't matter what it says. It doesn't matter what it tries to take away. It doesn't matter how it behaves. What it does and doesn't do against you and your loved ones, you can stand in the power that I have given you because that power will make you more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I believe in that power, do you? I want to live that power. I want to take the teaching that Jesus has given us and I want to make it real in every way in my life. Jesus teaches us how to use our power for good. He shows us how power looks like when we do good. Even when people mean it for evil. Even when people come against us and try to hurt us and take away from us and try to destroy us, we can still show power and do good. He's saying, when someone wants to hurt you, show good. When they want to take something from you, show good. When they want to abuse their power and the law against you, show good. You don't worry about any of that. I've got you. I'm in you. I'm with you. You are not powerless. You are powerful. Amen. God bless you. I'm going to stop there. <laughs> Lord bless you. <laughs> 
So we're going to pray. Father, thank you for everything you've done today, for everything you have shown us through the genius of your power and how we can have that within us and, and all that you have revealed, Lord, and all that you're going to show us in our everyday lives, how you're going to continue to increase your power in us and how we can do good with that power in this world. Thank you for that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.